What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Long Game Podcast hosted by Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short, bite-sized episodes. Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. All right. What's up? And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Dr. Preston Cherry. He is the founder of Concurrent FP, great financial planner. I actually finally met him in person um, at Jolt a few months ago, and we've just been hitting it off ever since. So um, thanks for joining me today, man. Man, I appreciate you, man. It was cool meeting you at Jolt, too, man. Yeah. Are you going to be at Future Proof? Random time to use for the pod to talk about this, but I hope I'll see you there. Oh, man, no doubt. Got to get some okay. warm weather, some sun. Okay, great. Well, let's just kind of start with quick intro of who you are, what you do, and then we'll hop into the topic. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm a financial planner. I love it. So at, at Concurrent, so I've been doing that a while now, almost 20 years. I can't believe it. I, I, I was thinking about it the other day, like I'm knocking on my 25th anniversary of high school. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, 27, I think. I, I, but, but anyway, so love being a financial planner, love being a professor at University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. So I teach financial planning. Oh, there. nice. I'm yeah. from Rockford, right oh, nearby. What? That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. So run the financial planning program there. So I, I run that. We also have a center for financial wellness that uh, Charles Schwab sponsors. So that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. So we we go out into the community, talk financial wellness. We also have one on one financial coaching for students. So that that's a thing. And Super just become cool. a, a fintech uh, uh, co-founder as well. So it's pretty cool. Uh, there's a fintech platform for advisors and what they can do better for their clients. So yeah, love it. All, all that type of stuff. Love it. Well, thanks again for joining us today. I think today's topic should be interesting. I, I mean, I look back at all of the recent episodes, everything's been about like real estate or tax planning or, you know, QSBS, all of the in-depth financial stuff. But one thing that I found recently, especially on Twitter, is there's so much shaming around money. They're shaming around spending too much. Uh, they're spent, they're shaming around spending too little. And I think we have this really hard balance to figure out around like how how do we spend? What is the right way to spend? And I'm curious on how you go through these conversations or how you think about this topic. Yes, I agree. So particularly because there's different preferences for everybody spending. Uh, and, and, and I call them and nodders, Thomas, and nodders. And people, what the hell is that? It sounds like an alien or something like that. It's and, not or. You can do both. So you can live a lifestyle and save and invest for retirement. You can do both. You don't have to choose. And another thing I like saying is you don't have to starve now to feed later. All right. Again, you could do both. It's and notter, right? And also, too, people have different means. All right. So frugal, by definition, is living within your means. What's the key word? Right? Within your means. Your, but yeah, your, right? So 
everybody has different means. And also uh, everybody has different preferences, uh, which is gonna maximize uh, everybody's different well-beings. Everybody has different well-beings. So somebody may have a, a, a preference for a higher lifestyle. And that's the, that's a choice. And that's okay because it satisfies their well-being. Now, if it's within their means, then that's okay. If they're, if, Thomas, if they're taking care of their pl their financial plan, all right, you know, their savings rate's cool. They've identified when they want to retire from their want, from their must-do to what they want to do, all right? Their plan's in order, savings rate's in order, everything is cool. And they have discretionary income. Man, look, they don't have to explain that to nobody, right? They just don't. And, it's, and they're living within their means. Their means may be higher than others. That's okay. They simply don't have to explain and they're living frugal, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, a hard conversation. I think I like literally all the time on Twitter, I'll see somebody, there's somebody I can think of in mind who talks about how they spend $1,200 a month as a family of five and they wear it like, you know, a badge of honor. I'm the best at spending, like, look at me go. But I, I don't think being good with money actually means you spend the least amount of possible. Like, I, I think there's some correlation. People think that like, if you can live in the worst house, drive the oldest car, if you can skip vacations, if you don't dine out for food and you cook at home, you're good with money. Mm -hmm. But I, actually, I don't think that's true. And I, I, this might be a controversial take, but I look at Warren Buffett, right? Like Warren Buffett, one of the best investors of all time, he has an old house, like tiny house, sure, it doesn't really matter to him, a Camry, great, that doesn't really matter to him. But like to me, when I look at people who are good with money, I think it's that they can find the balance, right? Like I, I think your example here of saying, hey, you know, spending within your means allows you to then spend on what you want, right? So I, I have the perfect example. Like I was working, you know, I'm working with a new client. They'll make over a million dollars this year. And they feel this like shame around getting a nice house or having a nicer car or, you know, going on nicer vacations because they think people are going to look down on them for doing that. But at the end of the day, they are investing 30% of their income, right? That's over $300,000 a year they're going to be investing. They're going to be on track for all of their goals. And that still means they have, you know, after taxes, like four or $500,000 a year left to spend. That can go pretty far, right? That can be a $100,000 car if they want. That can mean quarterly, really nice vacations. That can mean they put a bunch of money into upgrading their house to be the place they want to host people they want. But there's this feeling of shame that people have, even if they're saving a higher percentage than somebody else, right? They could look at somebody else who has a $5,000 a year car payment and be like, you're overspending relative to your income. I'm spending less than you, even though I have four times nicer of a car. And people don't look at that, right? They're like, you're spending more than me on X, Y, and Z, which means it's probably bad. It's probably you're overspending. But we live in kind of the society where you don't talk about income because if you don't have a lot of income, you're kind of shameful of it. If you make too much income, you're a little shameful of telling people because it seems like boasting. And so everybody just looks at each other and is like, you're overspending, you're not overspending, you're doing it wrong, I'm doing it right. And I think the thing that's hard for people to realize is everybody thinks their views are right, right? That's why there are views is because they're right to us. And so we look at everybody else and we think your views are wrong because you're not following my view. And I think the perfect example of this is I look at people who are like, don't be house poor, right? Like don't spend too much on your house. Like then you can't travel. You can't have as nice of a car, like blah, blah, blah. But this person over here actually might not like to travel. 
They might not care about cars. They might live by all their family and they want to be the ones to host all of their nieces and nephews and their cousins and their aunts and uncles. And so for them, they would much rather spend a larger part of their income here because that is truly what's most important to them. But tons of other people will look at them and tell them they're wrong that they overextended on their house because it's a different situation than what they would do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it was a lot, a lot of that you said right there. I mean, first of all, preferences and well-being. Preferences and well-being. Everybody's well-being or preferences are different. And it, it, just because something satisfies somebody else's well-being doesn't mean that may do, uh, be for you. And it's it called you it, in some fancy terms speak when we're talking about like a, a actual function, like a, a model or a math equation, it's called utility. All right. You know, what what satisfy? Are you getting some satisfaction out of something? All right. And does that contribute to your overall well-being? All right. So we do have basis for what we're talking about here. Right. And so and everybody's individual, uh, you know, well-being and what they receive utility out of is different. And you're going to fund it differently. And, and people just, you know, MYOB. All right. Not BYOB, MYOB is my <laughs> mind your own business. And that's B-I-D, <laughs> B-I-D-N-E-S-S, right? Mind your own business. You know, and but it also too, to your point, we're we're socially conditioned right now. And a lot of financial uh financial wellness speak, uh personal finance speak is uh the illusion of uh financial illiteracy, to your point, is like, okay, we don't want to be. Uh, shamed of financial illiteracy because we're buying certain things or investing in certain things as far as maybe our well-being or our quality of life, all right, house or maybe a car or this or that or traveling, this, that, and the other. We don't want to be perceived as something. Well, that's just not the case. Yes, we have research that may say um, if you are uh, buying so much and spending over your means and buying certain things, then yes, all right, that may be the case. You you may be, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, financially harmful to yourself. However, if you have the means, uh, then do do at do at your will. Do at your will. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, it really comes down to: Are you saving and investing, or paying down debt enough relative to your income? And then what's ever left over is really what you can choose to spend on. And somebody who values quicker retirement date, you know, earlier freedom, maybe paying more for their kids' education, leaving a bigger inheritance, they can choose to invest more than the other person, right? I mean, I think what this comes down to and what I think, one thing I work really hard on with my clients around these goals is prioritizing them, right? I think like everybody sits here and they say, okay, you know, I want to buy a house at you know a million dollars in five years. I want to pay for my kids' education, you know, at, up to Columbia for all four. I want to retire at 55 and live off of $20,000 a month. I, you know, whatever they list all of these goals and they think financial planners jobs are really to say just like, Hey, what does it take to accomplish them? Which is definitely part of it. But for most people, what ends up happening is you can't accomplish all of that. Right. I think this is like the hardest part of our job is saying like, everybody has a lot of goals. Some of them are pretty wild and what, there you have to prioritize, right? So every family is going to be different for somebody who says, you know, you show them what it takes to accomplish these goals and say, Hey, you're going to have to cut spending by, you know, about $3,000 a month to be on track for all of these goals. And they say, Whoa, no way we can do that. Right? Like we want to keep our lifestyle. We want to go on vacations, blah, blah, blah. You say, okay, great. You need to actually prioritize what's the most important to you. Is it retirement first? 
Is it college education? Is it vacations? Is it current spending and lifestyle? And map them, right? Because somebody who says current lifestyle is number one, I would rather retire three years later. Well, then you know the decision to make. If somebody says, "I, I will do anything I can to retire as quick as I can. I hate my job. I want the freedom. Well, then you know what decisions they have to make. They either have to cut spending, they have to slow down on vacations, they have to choose to cover 50% of college or whatever. And I think what I found is it's the most overlooked step of financial planning. And honestly, one of the most valuable parts of our jobs is helping people get aligned on what's most important to them, figuring out how to put the dollars behind it. But I guess going back to our you know whole topic today, I think that's why you can't shame people, right? Somebody's most important thing might be living life now, right? My, my dad died at 55. My grandpa died at 57. I'm 40. I might not have that much time left to live. And I don't want to waste it only spending and missing out on these experiences with my family while I'm healthy. It's very different than somebody else who's like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to live a long time. I want to retire soon. Retirement can be this great period of time. I want my kids' education paid for. That's going to be my priority. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. Perspective. And thank you for sharing your perspective about your uh, about your family too. I mean, because that means something. Because of stories. Stories mean a lot. And, and a lot of times I hear Thomas is like people say, well, what is what are stories? What are emotions? What are perspective? What the what does that have to do with the money? It 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 meant everything. It has to do with everything because it informs the dollars, just like you said. Uh I have this saying, let your life lead your money, not your money lead your life. Why? It's because it is about alignment. It does direct the dollars because then it tells us, it tells us what we're going to do with the money. It tells us the amount. It tells us the timeline. It tells us uh, the decision. It informs us the the stick-to-itiveness. Are, are, how how you know are we going to you know stay with it? The sustainability, right? The, how connected we are to that uh, uh, to that you know allocation. You know, because we gave that we gave that money assignment, right? And it all started with in a in a uh, a story, a perspective, uh, you know, a, a a a story, because it gave all the information. It it's everything. It's yeah. everything because every dollar, every line item has a story behind it. Yeah, I think that the stories part is interesting. I think that the average person doesn't realize how much how we manage our money or what we do with our money has to do with the way that we grew up or the experiences that we had. And I think I have two good examples here, at least in my own life of how this happened. So one thing is my grandma's pretty successful. She started a business with fairly any money, um, didn't get wealthy till I'd say my, my dad was out of high school, probably out of college. And I watched a bunch of other families I know like have wealthy grandparents and they chose the grandparents chose to just keep all the money and just pass it on to people when they passed away because there was too many arguments. It was always that's not equal. This isn't equal issues, whatever. But I watched my grandma use that money on her family while she's been alive. She, you know, every five years, she took everybody on big vacations for like their anniversary. She always took all of the grandkids once a year on their own individual trip, whether that's like I got to go on a cruise with her all these great memories that we had. And then on top of that, she helped pay for all of the grandkids college. Like she made it equal. She said, I'll pay for college. I went on a scholarship my freshman year to play basketball. And I ended up choosing not to keep a scholarship because I didn't want to play anymore. And I probably wouldn't have had that opportunity if it wasn't for her. But I take that 
into perspective. And I just look at all the memories that we had that we wouldn't have had if she just didn't want to help with money, the ability for me to pursue what I want over what I need, because I would have to worry about student loans. And I know in my future, I'm going to carry that with me on how I'm going to choose to use my money. One, I saw her build a successful business. That makes me believe I was able to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Two, I like being generous with my money to the people that are closest to me. I like paying for people's meals. I like, you know, my friends coming for the weekend and like, you know, buying all the things that we need to be helpful for there. I like bringing on vacations. Like I'm going to do that with my you know, kids, I know I'll help pay for my kids college because I know the freedom that they gave me, but like, I can just look at all these experiences I went through and understand exactly why I'm going to use money the way that I do. But most people don't do that. Right. And I might have these good experiences, but there's also a lot of people have terrible experiences, right? Like there's the experiences of, you know, Hey, I was in high school and my parents, you know, they, this isn't me, different situation. Somebody I know their house was foreclosed on because their parents could not afford the house anymore. Right. They went through that as a middle schooler. And now for them, they're going to pay off their mortgage quicker than somebody else. Right. To them, that is about safety because they went through the worst extreme that they never want to put themselves and their family through it again. And most financial planners are going to sit down at somebody and tell them that's a terrible decision to pay off their 3% mortgage. And it's all because they don't understand how that person runs or what drives them because of the experiences that they've been through. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and then it, again, they they didn't listen, right? And and it, that that had nothing to do with the illiteracy of somebody, you know, the financial illiteracy of somebody. It's good to educate that way they can make a decision at the moment. But like you said, that in that one example, it's about security. And even if you did educate somebody they would appreciate the education the numeracy of the education they're still probably going to default to the security of the nature because it's about well-being you know and, and that's why they made their choice it's about that alignment again right? yeah and then and then also too you know your the stories right you told you told a couple of stories there right you have stories in your money right your value system and you know culture and all that and the the way you uh, dole out or assign, you know, your money now rather than later. Far as maybe estate planning, I know you got your you got your estate threads and everything like that. You're doing you're doing some estate right now. He said, you know, I want my money to affect more lives now, based on my experiences, yours, you know, with with your grandma and everything like that. Again, what is it? What are the stories? What are the values? What are the experiences? What do they have to do with the money? Yeah, everything. everything yeah. You know. And I, I think that's why we have to dig deep into those questions. And I think it's interesting, like now working with a lot of people, some people naturally take the conversation there, right? They'll naturally be like, I'm paying off my mortgage quicker because this happened, or yeah. I hold on to extra cash because this happened, or, you know, I, I might have a really low allocation to stocks to bonds versus mine, because I watch my parents lose all of their money, you know, by taking too much risk or whatever. But I think it really is our job. And I guess even you're talking here for the DIYers of the world, like you do have to dig deep into this for yourself, you know, whether that's alone, whether it's with your partner, you need to understand, you know, your own money beliefs, you know, the experiences that you went, went through and what you value about money and how you want to use money moving forward. And I think, you know, the perfect example is that situation I just talked about with the, the person who they're, they lost their house, right? Like if you don't get to know that about that person, right? Like somebody can be out educated out of that belief, right? Like I grew up in the household, right? Debt is bad. 
never have debt, totally a different debt situation. We're almost back to it now, but you know, two years ago, you have a 3% interest rate. In all reality, probably not the wisest financial decision to pay that off when you could be investing, especially as accumulator. But mm-hmm. if you go talk to this person without understanding their background, then it's going to be really hard to give them the right advice. And I think a lot of people think that financial advice, there's white, right and wrong, there's black and white, but there's not because different advice is right for different people. And you have to understand, right? Like you are not going to get out educated out of that fearful thing that you went through as a kid, but, but you might be out educated from the belief of all debt is bad. I read that on Twitter, two completely different people, two completely different situations, two completely different financial plans and actions that they take. Yeah, true. I would say to, uh, to your point though, is that you, 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 people allow themselves to be more open to suggestion uh, and advice if you connect with them through compassion first. So um, I have this thing called the arc of financial wellness, which is, you know, and, and this could be applied to any social economic status, any background, right? Uh, which is if you connect with somebody with compassion first, financial compassion, and that's opening up the heart first, connect with the heart, then you can open up the mind, all right? Then you get to financial education, which is in the, in the planning aspect, which is advice. All right. Or if you're in a seminar or something, it's education. If it's a course, it's still financial education. All right. But if you skip the financial compassion component first, nobody's going to want to hear your, <laughs> your advice or your financial education. You know, but if you listen to the values, the experiences, the cultures, then someone may consider you know, hmm, all right, even though I went through this, I can uncondition what I may have experienced in order to get to where I want to go. And that's why it's so, that's why it's so important to, to listen and, and hear people uh, at where they are so they can consider, you know, the education and the advice. And then you get to the, you know, the financial literacy component which is that informed decision. And that's what anyone, all right, it's what anyone. It's like, okay, now that I've been heard, now that I have the education, the advice, now that now I can make an informed decision of where I want to go. And now I can feel better. And that's the wellness, the well-being. How does that make me feel with everything that I want to do, whatever decision that is? How does it add to my my whole comprehensive well-being, whether it be now or later? Yeah. We're, we're going all over the place, but I love this. I have a question to uh, go off that of, I'm sure you work with a lot of clients or a lot of couples. Hmm. How do you have these conversations and get on the same page as a couple, right? Like it's something that I find all the time is people come in completely different money beliefs, backgrounds, views, wants, et cetera. How do you get people on the same page? And before you go, my my biggest thought here is, they got to start with the financial compassion. They have to understand where each other came through to understand why they are the way they are. Absolutely. So, I mean, well, you, you hit it on the head there. Is, well, I'm curious, it, how, once you have, once they do that or here, maybe what are ways to get people into that yeah. conversation on that page? And then where do they go? Well, it, it is, it is to start with an understanding that it's going to be a trusted environment because uh, sometimes or more often than not, I see that there's there's no beginning of the conversation because 
there's an experience with the conversation that there's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, judgment, shame, attack, and it's going to be uncomfortable from the get go. Or so, start it from a fight, right? Like they don't, they don't schedule this time. So they're fighting and now they go into this whole thing versus like, Hey, let's talk about this. Right. So there's avoidance right off the rip. Right. So if there's a, if there's a framework to be in, in, introduced Rob, and, and say, uh, you know, Sally, Joe, and say, you know, Sally, can, let, let's, let's talk about, let's have a money date. Let's talk. And uh, we, we want to arrive at the same point. Uh, we're, we're, let's, let's, let's start off with, I want to hear what you have to say. And then, uh, then I can go because our perspectives are important. And then once you go and I go, the, the understanding is important. I, I don't think we've understood each other uh, on, on, on some of our money perspectives. So the goal here is to, we want to get to the say, you know, we want to make progress. So, but something that we haven't done in the past and what we want to go now is I want to understand your perspective. And so, I, and then hopefully you can understand mine and then we can uh, discuss it and uh, meet in the middle, you know, make some, make some progress and then arrive to the point that we want to go. Cause we, cause and agree, make the agreement first, make the agreement that you do want to make some strides toward this one area, make some agreement that you want to hear each other out, make some agreement that you want to uh, understand each other and then, uh, and make some agreement that you want to make some, uh, some compromise understanding in one another. Yeah. That's the framework. So now you have a trusted environment. Now you're going to have, you, you increased your probability for a better conversation. Yeah. One interesting thing that I found around this topic is that a lot of times the, the arguments or the fights can be resolved pretty easily. And I have a great client situation to talk about this with. So I have a newer client that I've been working with this year and they are, they have a great relationship. Like they just, the only thing they really argue about is money. They run a business. They do totally fine financially. They're overly conservative, like hold on to crazy amounts of cash in the business, crazy amounts of cash on the personal. And He's very rigid to a T budgeter, right? Like every dollar has to be accounted for. We spend within this budget amount. And a lot of their issues come about because she feels like at times she's like at the grocery store, sees, you know, the price going up and she has to like, no, never mind. I'm not going to get these things because it's over, you know, by 15 bucks, right? And they never had the conversation about what would make you feel significantly better, right? Like what, what would help on this? Because of a lot of our fights come about this. And it's not that, you know, she's going to buy designer bags. It's like buying kids school, like clothes for the kids or buying groceries for at home or whatever, like needs that their family needs that they should not be stressing over at their income level. Mm -hmm. We had an awesome conversation. We went to the point of like, if she had $50 more a week, $50, like, right? Like if you're making six figures, you can find $50 a week to give yourself some breathing room to alleviate these arguments, these fights. She never felt like she was being heard about like, we need to have a little bit more here. Like I'm not being extravagant. He felt like she was overspending, had the conversation, ended up like, great, we could pay yourself significantly more from the business, way more than enough to offset this. Give this a try, see how life is going, right? They've been doing that. They're like, oh my gosh, like things are so much better. And it was literally that simple. They just never facilitated the conversation at a point of like, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how you're feeling. It was like, a, we're already mid argument. We can't resolve anything. And then we go back, you pretend it's okay. And then you have the next argument, right? Like, this is what I found with most of the clients I work with is just that we just need to take steps 
simple steps and eventually we get on the same page and everything is okay. But we have different views. We have different views on budgeting. We have different views on how we should spend. And there are systems that you can create to alleviate those issues. Absolutely. I mean, you walk through it right there, right? Because uh, they normally would jump into an, a place of conflict rather than uh, harmony, at least for a discussion. And what you were saying right there is, instead of jumping into a point of conflict, they were jumping it, they started at a point of trying to understand one another. And that sounds simple. Well, you know, so so do finances sometimes. They sound simple, but you know, they're, they're not, you know? And yeah. if we could just introduce frameworks for people's consideration, then they get a little bit easier. And that conversation, just introducing the framework and say, uh, have you tried this with with you know with individuals? And they say, have you tried this? You know, have you tried hearing that perspective or understanding that? Try from a uh, the conversation from a level of understanding first, then having the uh, the the conversation, the numbers conversation. Oh no, we'll we'll try that next time. And wow, haven't you have haven't you gotten the feedback? It was like wow, we tried that. It, that kind of worked, right? Yeah. I think that's why a lot of times it's our job one to make sure that we get both spouses on at least some of the meetings, right? Like you're not just talking to one and two, that you try to facilitate some of these conversations or like a lot of times when you're talking to two people, you can see one person's a little bit more quiet or there's something there's reserved or holding back and specifically talking to them and being like, how do you feel about this? Right? Because if you think about a relationship, I mean, I can think about any relationship. Like when you have something that you argue about, it's hard to actually bring up the topic because you think it's going to go there, right? Like if you already argue about money all the time, it's going to be hard to be like, hey, how about this weekend? We have a conversation about money because you're so scared of where that conversation is going to go, which is reality. I think that's why therapy is so successful for people is because they force those conversations with a unbiased third party who can facilitate it. And I think we can do the same thing for the right people. If things get really bad, that's when you send them to like, you know, there's plenty of money therapists, yeah. but I think for the average person, financial advisors, we can help facilitate this. And, you know, I love a lot of DIYers that listen to the podcast. Like if you're not going to hire somebody, you need to figure out how to have these conversations and get on the same page. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Uh, just having a, uh, a conversation helps alleviate more money stress down the line because you know what? <laughs> compounding works a lot of ways. <laughs> it can work. Sure. It can work compounding interest, compounding return, compounding conflict. All right. <laughs> so, but you can, you can help alleviate some of that compounding conflict by having these uh, conversations that can compound too. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Compounding harmony. Yeah. There you go. All yeah. right. Well, as we wrap up, so two topics that we hit on first one is kind of like finding balance with spending. Um, I want you to give your biggest piece of advice for people around finding the balance around spending. Finding around the balance around spending is, you know, focus on what you got going on. All right. I, I say all the time, FOMO over FOMO. Focus on moving on what you got going on rather than fear of missing out. I say it all the time, but people say, they're like, hey, what, what does that mean? Keep your blinders on, like my dad used to say. That's what the horses are for, so you can keep on, you know, keep them from doing this. Focus on what you're doing. And that helps out a lot because, yes, we talked about social conditioning. Don't worry about what other people are saying. Don't worry what people are doing. Don't worry about what people are talking about. Uh, 
live within your means because your means are different from others. Your well-being is different from others. What you receive utility from, which is you know uh, pain or pleasure, is is different from everybody else. So when you're talking about spending, spend within your means and within your plan. Yeah, I love it. I would say for that one, reverse budget, especially for the high income people, like figure out what you need to be to do on track for your goals. Set those dollar amounts there. What is left over? Spend on the things that you value. If that's a nicer house, if that's vacations, if it's clothes, if it whatever, figure out those things, spend on there and don't feel bad because you've already taken care of those goals and those investments first. Um, second one is kind of, you know, this whole second part of this conversation um, really on, I mean, to me, I really love this last part on like relationships and how to get aligned and on the same page with your money. You know, what's your biggest piece of advice for couples who feel like they're not aligned? Yes, uh, money dates and be intentional. Be intentional with conversations and have a willingness to understand that other person. Start with understanding and compassion, and then more progress will be made on the new the numbers of money. So yeah, start, what, start what would be a good cadence do, that you think? You know, I, I hear some people say weekly. I hear some people say monthly. I think that sometimes could be a little overwhelming, right? From the start, from going from nothing to, hey, every Sunday we need to talk about this. Like, wait, Sundays are my relaxing days. Like, I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's a little overkill, but curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I had that initial meeting. I would say if you're not having any far as frequency is concerned, then schedule something as soon as possible because there, there's no, uh, there hasn't been any talks. So, but- it, have not warned, but uh, alert, or just say like, this is what we're going to talk about. Just don't 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 throw that on anybody, right? And it just and and have some encouragement, right? Some some encouragement there, and set the table far as trust and uh, and lightheartedness and and a willingness to understand. And so yeah. have that meeting as soon as possible. Don't surprise anybody with it, and 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 have a sense of encouragement. And yeah. I would say have that meeting as soon as possible. Yeah. I love the understanding one. I mean, that goes back to like, we all grew up different ways. Our family used money differently than somebody else's family. So they're going to believe different things. I think one of the best exercises that you can do that I do with all my clients that I think would be great for people who are doing it themselves is do the, get a piece of paper out and come up with your goals together, right? Like maybe you've never talked goals together. You have your goals, they have their goals, come up with them, come up with all of the ones that you might have. And then together or actually individually first rate them from importance, right? And then together now create a list of in order of priority first to last. And that makes it a little bit easier to decide how to use your money, how to invest, you know, how to do all of the things that are important to you, because now you've gotten on the same page of where you're going. And it's really hard to figure out what to do with your money today without understanding where you're going together. Um, right. And, and I would say, yeah. oh, good. I was just gonna say any last closing thoughts. So perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think the frequency too. As far as the meetings is concerned, we, the goal is too is not to have to talk about money so much. Exactly. Right. So maybe weekly is too much. You know, yeah. You know, a buy, you know, buy there two times a two times a month or maybe one times a month. At some point, you're trying to reduce the worry and anxiety and not stack the worry and anxiety. So you don't want to anxiety stack is what I call it. 
Yeah. It might start a little bit in the beginning and then maybe you get to go to quarterly, right? Like your goal shouldn't be changing that much. It's really, did we do the things we wanted to do or did we, did we fail on the last quarter and what do we need to do different this quarter? And eventually you might even be able to get to less often than that. And I do think the higher income you are, the less you probably need, the lower income you are, because every dollar ends up mattering quite a bit. You might need more meetings around that cash flow to ensure you're doing the right things. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's it. That's it. Well, perfect, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, before we wrap up, let everybody know best places to uh, follow and engage with your content. Yes, appreciate you, man. Uh, Dr. Preston Cherry, that's Dr. Preston Cherry across all the socials and then the Like Money Balance podcast on YouTube and your uh, favorite uh, place you get your podcast. And then let's just last, I mean, I know you're building a course that should be coming out when and who's that right for? Oh, uh, thanks a lot. So Gen yeah. X Affluent Folks, and that'll be out in September. Uh, check out all my socials and uh, the advertisements to start on that August 15th. Love it. Well, we're both putting out courses in September. Let's yeah, go. Hey, Grinding this year. Yes, sir. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Again, please rate, subscribe, and uh, we will see you back next week. <laughs>